Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. Before we get into all the excitement of this episode, I've got a bear on my lap. <laughs> and I have an awesome announcement. Anger Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion is sponsoring a music festival for the first time. That's right, I'm backing the incredible people at Death Protector Fest, which is organized by the Death Protector Collective. Does that name sound familiar? Well, they're the guys that put out Expert Timing's new record last year, Glare, and also have the incredible band, Dikembe, as their founders. I decided to sponsor Death Protector Fest because I respect the efforts of Death Protector Collective in creating diverse spaces and opportunities for non-men, people of color, LGBTQIA, and so many more folks. Their lineup, if you haven't seen it already in the announcement, is stacked with people who genuinely represent the community, including Pool Kids, Expert Timing, Woolbright, Night Witch, and so many more who are unannounced yet. That's a little secret I'm sitting on. But (laughs) I'm really proud of what these people do to uplift and create opportunity, so I'm proud to be a part of an awesome event. So Death Protector Fest is on May 11th at 7 p.m., happening over at Boca Fiesta and the Palomino Pool Hall in Gainesville. If you're in Florida, get to the gig. It's free for everybody who's attending. So speaking of getting to the gig, my guest this week is a rising voice who's working to make accessing a show a possibility for everyone. Cassie Wilson launched her nonprofit, Half Access, with a focus on educating people on accessibility and ensuring that people of all backgrounds can find the information they need, whether it's about safety or accessibility at venues. Cassie has worked with so many people to help spread her message, which we talk about, along with all the opportunities ahead for Half Access. This episode is packed with so many of Cassie's favorite artists, including Let's Eat Grandma, whose song It's Not Just Me you heard at the beginning of the episode, along with some other favorites, including World's Greatest Dad, Better Love, and Cumulus. So let's listen to some more of Cassie's favorite music and dig into the interview. Show! 
to Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. How's your day going? Going good. It's such a pleasure to be uh, asked to be able to like connect with you over social media and uh, be on this podcast. I love it. So, Thanks so much for being on. It's been so exciting watching your organization Half Access grow over, it seems like, past like year or so, right? Yeah, for sure. The The past year has definitely been crucial for us. Um, I started it in May of 2017, but things really got going for us last year. So That's so exciting. It seems like I keep seeing your name all over the place when it comes to social media and people talking about accessibility. So congrats on that reach that you've developed. Thank you. I'm excited to keep growing that too. <laughs> That's so neat. And it's so awesome to see these conversations start to come forward. But uh, before we get into, of course, everything you're doing at Half Access, I want to learn a little bit about you. Um, how did you kind of first get involved in independent music? So my my journey into um, like yeah, independent DIY music has been interesting because um, I first got really into music uh, because in the beginning of high school I was really into One Direction. I mean, like, not that I'm not still, but, um, that's beautiful. Yeah. And so that led to me meeting other people online who also loved One Direction, which included a local artist and, uh, she was playing a show in December of 2013 and it was just this small acoustic holiday show thing. And so there were some other locals on the bill. And around that time I was starting to get into other like alternative rock bands like All Time Low, We The Kings, that kind of stuff. And yeah. um, and there was this other local artist on the bill who played a cover of All Time Low and like 14 year old me was sitting there in my All Time Low shirt like this is the best thing ever. <laughs> and, um, after that I started going, going to all of that band's shows. They were called Grizzly. They're not banned anymore but that kind of led to me, like me going to all of their shows led to me discovering other like touring bands that they were playing with. And mm -hmm. then I would discover other locals and it was just kind of a chain reaction after that. That's so awesome. And what area were you in? Um, you're on the West Coast, correct? Yeah. So I'm in, I go to shows in Portland mainly. Awesome. That's really cool. And that's such a great just place to be going to shows in because there's so many different genres of music that are flourishing out there, it seems like. and you know, like you said, you're able to see really great touring bands as well as ones that are locals, too. Yeah, I, I feel really lucky. We like and I also feel like the like I feel really lucky to have grown up in this specific like local scene. Like it's always been very tight knit and supportive and it's just been the best. That's awesome. That must have been a really great resource for you to dip into as you were starting Half Access. Yeah, it's I mean, I think half access wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the local scene because um before i started half access like formally and officially like i just kind of started posting more about 
uh, inaccessibility that I was experiencing on social media. And then I realized that people were really supportive of the things that I was saying. And if not for that support, I don't, I don't know if I would have really gone for it, you know? Absolutely. And you said that you started to kind of speak up about accessibility um, through social media and stuff. What kind of triggered that thought for you that, hey, I need to start talking about um, accessibility at venues? I think I just got to this point where I was experiencing it to the point where it was really upsetting and frustrating me. And I'm not someone who gets like angry or frustrated very often, but um, I had gone to this one venue like several times in a row. And even though I would email them in a week, a week in advance and let them know I was going to be there and stuff, they would still never accommodate me. And so I would end up in the back of the room and, um, one the, the show that really like sparked my like passion to talk about this was I was going to see the Mayday Parade A Lesson in Romantics 10 year tour and I'm pretty sure it was like sold out like I knew I couldn't be in the crowd for that show because it wouldn't be safe and um and so I was in the back and that was the second time that month that I'd been to that venue and that time they decided to put uh tape on the floor in the shape of a box in the back of the room with a sign on the wall that said ADA only. And as if that would do anything. My and gosh. Since it was a sold out show, the crowd was all the way back to where I was. Huh. And like people were just standing in it because it was so like, it, it really wasn't anything. And, um, but I knew that there was nowhere else I could be that night. And um, even after asking the staff, a bunch of times and telling them that I knew I couldn't see anything from there. Um, but that's when I really started to speak up. And I, that's also when I started to take pictures of my view at shows when I was experiencing inaccessibility, which kind of really, I think made it connect with people who haven't experienced that. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty terrible that you're kind of shunned to the back of the venue, first of all, so that way the rest of the crowd can get a view. That's bullshit to me. And the yeah. fact that they did like nothing other than like literally keep off an area that other people could still step into, able-bodied people could still step into just is ridiculous. Yeah, pretty much. And I, I think the lesson for me is that I don't always need to go through the venue. And sometimes, you know, if a venue is consistently not accommodating, I can go through the band. So like, mm -hmm the next month I went to that same venue again, but instead of reaching out to them, knowing that they really weren't going to do anything, um, I was going to see real friends. And so I just like tweeted them and um, Kyle gave me his email. And by like, when I got there, there was like a space marked off for me right next to the stage that was safe from the crowd. And it was that easy. It's like if the touring band can do it. Why can't the venue, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. And that has to be really helpful to have an ally that just immediately responded to you and made the effort. Yeah, Real Friends have always been great about that. And I, I know that other bands are and will be too. It's just kind of a matter of them knowing that it's an issue in the first place. Sure. And you're really using Half Access as a platform to really just help make the bands aware and then in turn they can make the venues aware. Exactly. That's so cool. Um, if you don't mind me asking, can you kind of explain um, maybe what your disability is and what your needs are at a show? 
Yeah, so I have a form of dwarfism that's caught, like, as I grew up, it caused my bones to kind of just twist as I grew, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so I've had a lot of leg surgeries. And then I also have scoliosis. And so I had a back surgery, which um, is kind of what changed my needs at shows. I still, I've always used a manual wheelchair when I go to shows, but sure. um, with the back surgery, I got a rod put in my spine basically to straighten it out. And um, so that makes it so I can't really twist around as much as I used to. And so before when I could twist a lot, it was great for being able to like watch for crowd surfers and stuff. Yeah. But um, after that, uh, 2017 is when I like, cause I had the surgery in at the end of 2016. So 2017 was my first year really getting back into going to shows after that and so um and so just like realizing that I it kind of made me realize that my safety was more important than I was letting myself believe before and um yeah so my main needs like I feel really lucky in the fact that I am able to get out of my wheelchair and go up some stairs if I need to Mm -hmm. um but usually I'd much prefer to have either obviously a flat entrance or a ramp or an elevator. Um, and then uh, the biggest thing for me that really has been the thing that I think a lot of venues forget about is just having that marked off ADA area for people to both be safe and be able to see shows. That's really, really important for me. Um, because it's like great if they're accessible to get into but if you can't see or experience the show on an equal level to everyone else when you all paid for the same ticket to get in it's like what it's it's kind of a lot of times when I experience an accessibility I sometimes think what's the point of even being here mm-hmm. but it's like I live 40 minutes from Portland so I just like sit there and listen to it and I'm like well this is great I'm just in the back I could have listened to the records at home I don't know so it's just like yeah being able to see is huge and um also sometimes restrooms will be the only inaccessible part of a venue and that's really annoying (laughs) no that's terrible because i mean you need to be able to take care of yourself just plain and simple exactly and sometimes restrooms are the only place that like if someone needs like a break for a minute away from all the chaos of the concert like sometimes they're the only place someone can go and it's like if they can't access it that's not good No, because if you think about it, there's so many different types of um, ways that things can be inaccessible and the different types of people who can be impacted. It could be something as simple as a neurological um, behavior, kind of like what's happened with, um, I know that Ellie Hart over at LEAD focuses on things like that. And uh, (laughs) Ellie's amazing. Gosh, I love Ellie. I hope she's listening. Because she's like she's incredible, and I appreciate so much of what she's doing to make spaces accessible for folks with epilepsy. Um, but it can be neurological, it can be physical, it could be something to where somebody is prone to higher chance of anxiety. So there's just like there's so much that can be factored into what's considered accessible. And you do a really great job on your blog talking about the different types of accessibility and the different types of. Um, different ways that, and I'm sorry if I'm not using the correct language, please correct me, but um, uh, the different types of ability that people have. 
Yeah, I, that's something that's been really important to me throughout all of this. Because the other thing that really um, sparked my passion was seeing other people with disabilities not even be able to access venues as much as I could. Like with me being able to get out of my chair and go up some stairs, um, knowing that I have friends who use wheelchairs who can't do that mm-hmm. really just struck something within me. And I was just like, I want to be able to give a platform and a voice to everyone who's affected by this, not just people with mobility issues. No, that makes complete sense. And that kind of openness, I feel like, widens the conversation for other people who have different needs. So that's really awesome that you're doing that. What made you decide you wanted to actually interview people and um, let let their voices be a part of the dialogue? I think that just came out of me naturally wanting to ask people a bunch of questions about their own experiences and realizing that that was the best way to also inform other people and just kind of be able to, I I often ask people almost the same set of questions because their answers are so completely different, which has been really interesting Mm -hmm. to me to see and compare, but yeah, just kind of making it an easy way for people to share their experiences and for other people to learn from them, including ourselves, like when we're, you know, looking at our submission form for venues and really just making sure we have everything covered. That makes complete sense. And I really appreciate the kind of detail and thought that you put into that because just for me as somebody who is able-bodied and stuff, it's um, not as easy for me to see unless somebody's putting the materials in front of me. And um, it was really useful for me to read some of the different interviews that you have out there. Like I read the one with Bree Snyder from, um, from Salt Lake, which was amazing, by the way. I really loved hearing her perspective too. Yeah, I, I was really excited. I want to interview as many disabled artists as possible because that side of accessibility is just, that's like, to me, like as someone who uses a wheelchair like I just I can't really even imagine it because basically every stage has stairs you know and like I know almost like every venue I know like has stairs to green rooms and it's just or like the way that they load in isn't accessible like it's I can't even imagine and I feel like that's why that I haven't seen a ton of um disability representation on stage in music because it's Mm -hmm. just like these venues just weren't built for us which is upsetting but that's what we're here to change all of it (laughs) absolutely i mean that's going to be what makes an impact i feel like as more people learning about the different artists the different people who are attending the shows and have roles throughout the scene um i feel like it's been valuable learning all these different people's perspectives and um because of the conscientious that I've built up from talking to people like yourself, um, I find myself paying attention more to like whether or not a venue space is accessible or if there's space for people that have different needs and stuff. So thank you so much for the efforts that you're putting in. It's making people like me very conscious of that stuff. Well, thank you for listening and paying attention and wanting to learn. It's That's such an important part of it because if no one wanted to learn, then... <laughs> We wouldn't get very far. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Um, so I know that you mentioned Real Friends as being somebody who's kind of been a good ally for you and trying to make spaces accessible. Um, are there other people that come to mind whenever you think of um, people who've been helping maybe even just help access grow? 
Um, well, the first band that comes to mind is um, Glacier Veins. They're one of the first bands that was just kind of like down to do anything to support what we were doing. And, um, and so like they just went on tour this month and they took half access stuff on the road with them. Oh, that's awesome. And then um, we also did that with Point North who are on tour with As It Is right now. And so they have half access stuff with them. And like even uh, even before like Glacier Veins went on tour, when they would play shows here that we would be tabling, like they would always, without us even mentioning it, like talk about what we were doing on stage and just kind of that. And then also, um, Valerie, I don't know how to say her last name. I think it's like Gritch. Okay. Um, but, uh, she uh, con- connected us to Frank Turner back in September when we launched our website. Awesome. Um, and I had no idea how connected he was with like accessibility organizations in the UK and how much of an advocate for that he is. And um, and so the first show we ever tabled was uh, Frank Turner's show here. And he talked about it on stage and that's still been one of our most successful nights tabling because he just genuinely cares so much about accessibility and it's just so nice and his fans are so nice. That's so wonderful that like people have kind of started to step up and help out and it's got to be feel it's got to feel powerful for you to have people like Frank Turner speaking out too. It's so huge and the, like I said, the awareness component of accessibility is such a big part of this because that's why so many of these issues exist is just out of ignorance to the fact that people need better access. Mm-hmm. No, that makes complete sense. And that's so awesome that you're finding opportunity. If somebody wanted to be an ally and step up and help, what would you like folks to do to help have mm-hmm. access and even just... Um, people who just want to be there to help people with accessibility in general? The biggest thing that we're working on right now is continuing to grow our database of Mm -hmm. venue accessibility information on our website. Anyone from anywhere in the world is able to submit information on venues. Um, The form pretty much walks you through it, like, and you don't have to put anything that you don't know the answer to, which I think is a really big part of it is just not guessing. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, It's something that's really easy to do like between doors and like the show starting or between bands or whatever. And if you have questions, staff have used the answer them. Um, So that's the biggest thing because I feel like information is a knowing what a venue is like since they're all so completely different before you go for the first time can like alleviate a lot of stress so that's the biggest thing that people can do to help right now and then in general like it shows like if you see someone struggling just ask if they need help whether they're disabled or not I think Mm -hmm. just being aware of your surroundings it shows um and just having general respect for people um is is huge because I feel like something I've talked about before is uh, people kind of get into this show mode. I, I call it like, especially at like high energy shows where they're just going and they're pushing and they're jumping and like, you have to pay attention. Your questions are affecting the people around, I think is just huge. And if you see someone sitting alone in the back, make sure that, you know, they've been helped or if they even want help and 
just also you'd think this wouldn't have to be said but never like touch someone's wheelchair without asking never like move them um because <laughs> that's something that people will do and it's just like don't do that <laughs> that's rude that to me that's no different than just touching somebody without their consent to begin with much less like you know that's a part of them at that point exactly yeah and so it's just like or if there is ever someone who is disabled in the crowd just do anything you can to help and protect them and make sure that everyone's having a good time because that was crucial for me growing up before i knew how to ask for um accommodations even at venues that are accessible and accommodating now like i just didn't know how to advocate for myself growing up and but i was really lucky to have a friend group that would basically all surround me mm -hmm. um, when I'd be like front row so I could see and they would make sure crowd surfers and stuff like no one would basically like push against me too hard and things like that so that's really special because at that point it's like they're being inclusive of you they're also being supportive and that's like super important when it comes to going to a show space to begin with just period exactly yeah and there's like people I remember who like back in 20 I don't know, 2014 or something like that, who, um, who would like help keep crowd surfers off of me. And I didn't, they were complete strangers to me at the time, but like now I know them and apparently they're like in local bands and stuff. So it's like a small world. And, um, and I, I know that not everyone has that kind of support system every time they go to a show. So um, the kindness of strangers can go a long way. Absolutely. Well, folks should definitely keep that in mind when they're going to shows, just because it's like, just respect the space, respect the people in it. That's something that we say a lot in my local scene. So I want to see that grow. Yeah. And also something that I've noticed is a lot of times, um, like, you see those pictures of uh, people in wheelchairs crowd surfing. And like, that's cool if, uh, if that's what the person wants to do. I get it. But also, sometimes I've seen it have to be done because accessibility doesn't exist and they want to be able to see and i'm just like it's cool that it if that's what they wanted but like for me like i could never imagine like sure trusting other people enough uh, to lift me up um but it's just like realizing that the origins of some of that is just the fact that disabled people can't see it shows and they want to see mm -hmm. and they want to feel included Damn. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, one of the things that I see happen a lot, particularly in DIY, is a lot of these like DIY venues will kind of pop up and there'll be like house venues or just any kind of just random space. Maybe it's a cafe or a mixed use space and stuff. And um, a lot of the times it's great to see DIY spaces pop up, but I don't know how often they think about um, accessibility in that mind and stuff. Can you think of any kind of little things that these kind of spaces can do to make sure that they're accommodating? Because it's different when it's like a mid-size or large capacity venue versus like a DIY venue. Right, yeah. Um, the biggest thing is basically every show has a Facebook event page where everyone relies on getting all the details of the show. Mm -hmm. And so I'd say that anywhere you're posting about the show, if you can list as much accessibility information as possible on the space that's like the first big thing and just not sugarcoating how accessible it is like people need to know exactly what a space is like when they're going there for the first time mm -hmm. um and i mean let's see. making sure that their seating is like huge um but yeah i think 
it, it's been interesting for me, especially with house shows. It's something I just like, I, I tend to not go to house shows just because of the effort I have to go through to find any information and not knowing if the seating available will be like something that's like comfortable for me. Cause like what a bar stool is for someone is like up to my neck for me. Cause I'm only three, seven. So, you know, it's just like, yeah. um, not knowing what to expect and just usually at least around here, they're almost always in basements and that I just like never really want to deal with uh, a flight of stairs. So it's unfortunate because I love um, I love that part of the music scene and um, inclusivity is usually kind of listed as like a staple of that part of music, but I feel like accessibility is still forgotten and um, sometimes there isn't a lot you can do, but information and letting people know what to expect can be the difference between them going or them not going because they just expect that it won't be accessible so that's awesome that you know you make that point because honestly that can be huge for what people can and cannot participate in as far as the scene goes and stuff because um unfortunately if you're limited by things like stairs when cases of mobility and um you know i think that it helps whenever that kind of information is shared or even things like um, epilepsy and such, you know, you would need to know if the band's going to do strobing lights or anything along those lines. Exactly. Well, that's really helpful. And I have a lot of people who run spaces are listening because this is really important to think about um, when you're planning a show and sharing information about it. Yeah. And I mean, and if there are any DIY venues that are like at least semi-permanent or like you think they're going to be around for a while and they have a unique name, but you might not necessarily want to put out the address, you can still submit those venues to our database um, and just put like the city and state. And if people are looking for information, they should still be able to find it. So um, I had that question asked by Hannah, who helps with the DIY yesterday. And it's like, yeah, I want to make sure that we're able to help get that information out there um, without, you know, obviously spreading addresses that don't need to be spread. No, that makes complete sense to me. Well, one of the things I really love that you've developed is that database. I went through and I searched it and I was really disappointed to only see one Florida venue listed. And I mean, I know that there are some spaces that might be closer to being that maybe they just haven't entered the database yet, but um, have you had a lot of people give you feedback on that database tool? We have, we're almost to 150 venues, but, awesome. but yeah, we don't even have all of the states yet. It's something that we're definitely trying to expand this year. Um, I kind of have plans to just, when I see a tour announced, go through all of the venues and email them and ask them to submit, um, to submit information to our database if we don't have them yet mm -hmm. uh that's kind of my plan of attack for this year uh especially because like i don't necessarily know what all venues exist in other places sure um, but yeah we've i there was one show that we were tabling um at the end of last year and it was at a venue that has two flights of stairs and the venue's website says that they're ADA compliant, but they don't have an elevator. And this is true because they're a historic building, so they haven't had to change because it would like ruin the structural integrity or whatever. Um, and 
he so this guy came up to us and he was like you know like thank you for doing what you do because I would not have known that there were two flights of stairs if like if your database didn't exist and it's just like it's hugely important and I've even found myself using it um like when I go to shows in Seattle at venues I've never been to like I'm like oh is this venue in our database and I'm like sweet like now I know what to expect so it's been it's been really awesome so far that's such a cool like self tool to be able to use though it's like you know because it's impossible to remember how every venue is laid out and how every venue may or may not be accessible so that's really nifty to be able to just pull that up and have it exactly and it's something that i really wish i had when i started going to shows because even now still if i am going to a venue for the first time it's so stressful like for example i'm going to see uh casey musgraves later this month and it's at a seated venue which seems ideal but um the accessible seating is at the back of the floor which means that i'm pretty sure if people stand up i'm not going to be able to see mm -hmm. and just like the stress of thinking about that just like i should just be looking forward to the show but instead i'm just like what am I going to do if I can't see? They can't just move all of us like somewhere else. Like there's nowhere else to be. Um, and it's just funny because those venues work for things where people are sitting down. But like even, um, it was actually kind of ironic, but even at the APMAs, uh, when people stood up, because that was a seated venue, I couldn't see. <laughs> so it was just like pretty ironic. But um You'd think seated venues would be the most accessible, but it's interesting. <laughs> That's really frustrating, I'm sure, because it's like, the thing about venues, especially with music venues, it's not like a movie theater. People aren't going to just sit there. It's just, exactly. It, that's got to be so frustrating for you, just to try to figure out your whole evening, day, what have you. That, and like, the other thing I've noticed, too, is that even if a venue is accessible, the level of accessibility can change based on the genre of the show, hmm. which is a conversation I'm trying to open up more this year. And I don't even know how to go about it yet, but um, I've started, I've started really enjoying um, seeing hardcore bands, uh, which is something I never expected of me. Um, because <laughs> such a big pop lover, but here we are. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and the most exciting, venues I can still feel extremely unsafe mm -hmm. and like I don't want people to stop having their fun that's not what I want but you know there should be a way to coexist where I can still experience and enjoy the show safely definitely yeah you're right because with um with hardcore shows and even just heavier shows in general you end up with pit situations and stuff and that's obviously not ideal with somebody who has different needs and is an able-bodied. So that's got to be a point of frustration, too, because you want to be able to enjoy the music, but you also don't want to get possibly kicked in the head, shoved over, any of that. And that's difficult, I'm sure. Yeah, and, like, there was this time um, I was seeing Turnstile last year, and mm -hmm. there was a barricade separating, like, so this was at my favorite, most accessible venue, uh, the Hawthorne in Portland. And... Um, and they always, even if they don't have a full barricade set up, they always put one section of it to 
make an ADA section that has a clear view and so that way it will be divided and safe. But at the turnstile show, there had to be two security guards standing on the barricade to keep people from falling over it onto me. Oh my gosh. It was extremely stressful and I couldn't really enjoy the show because I was just like, like there was just people, there were just so many bodies flying, which like, it was kind of entertaining, but also just like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard to not be stressed and no um, I'm sure or like there was this other show that I had gone to there and someone just I don't know I guess she was just really excited and just or just really wanted to be in the front and uh and she like pushed me out of my spot in the ADA section somehow and was just like kind of just bumping up against me and someone else who was using a wheelchair and I'm just like what is even happening right now? And it's just like, that was the first time I had to like exit the venue for a minute to like grasp what was going on. But I feel Yikes. really lucky to have found um, support systems within venues. And when I speak up about accessibility or ask for accommodations, they don't apply it to just me, but they think about it for every show after that. And I just feel really lucky to have that. And that's another big part of why I'm really glad that I live here and that Have Access started here. Yeah, because at that point, it's like there's almost like a permanence to you speaking up then because these venues, some of them will literally just think about it going forward. Like, okay, well, we did this for Cassie this one time because she brought it to our attention. Well, there's other people. We should probably think about it with every show going forward. Exactly, yep. That's so awesome. Well, I'm really happy to hear that this is something that is resonating with the venues and the people who attend and stuff, and that this just is growing. That's so awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, what are some things you want to do with Half Access this year? So one of our biggest goals was to work with touring artists, and so the fact that we've started that in, like in January was just that kind of blew my mind that it really started happening that fast but we kind of want to keep that up this year and we want to expand our database and Mm -hmm. we just kind of want to be making more connections across the country to just be spreading the word about what we're doing so that's awesome things yep and then just kind of preparing to have an even bigger year next year and hopefully be able to uh travel more uh either to festivals or whatnot so I love the sound of that I think your message is really important I can't wait to see it just continue to pop up and it'd be so cool to see you at some of these big festivals and stuff even the DIY ones like the fest or um you know blood fest is ending this year but that festivals of that level too yeah for sure that's so awesome well I can't wait to follow all of that um do you have like a vision or something that you really want to see happen with half access over time like what's your What's your hope for this uh, organization and what kind of opportunities do you want to see happen for people of different needs? My like ultimate goal is like once we've really expanded our database, um, especially in the States, is to then just start working with venues on looking at what they're doing well and what they can change and really making sure that every venue is as accessible as possible, at least within their means. Mm -hmm. And if not, to then be making a plan to become fully accessible moving forward. That's the dream. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I hope everybody who's listening is starting to think about that, starting to make plans and um, entering themselves into your database. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining, Cassie. Where can everybody keep up with you and Half Access on the internet? Half Access is just Half Access on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and then halfaccess.org. And um, you can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at WilsonXCassie. Awesome. Everybody should keep up with you. You're so much fun to follow on the internet, and it's so cool <laughs> to stay up to date with everything happening with Half Access. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for being on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
You just heard Tracing Pictures by Better Love. Thank you so much to Cassie for joining to talk about the importance of accessibility and the ways that independent music can contribute to having inclusive and safe spaces for people of all abilities. You can use the Venue Finder tool, learn more, and donate at halfaccess.org. That's it for this week, but you can keep up with me online. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for regular updates. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Overcast, and more. Want to tell me what you think of the podcast? Leave a review on any of the apps. I'd love to hear from you. I'm always booking guest spots, so hit me up at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com. Whether you write and play music, run a blog, take photos, work in publicity, or book shows, this can be a space for you. Send me a link to your work, and let's chat. Till next time, stay angry, and see what you can do to help make your local DIY space accessible for everyone. Stone